Hello, my name is Veer Das. And I feel unique about being Conan O'Brien's friend because I'm pretty sure I'm the shortest friend he has globally. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walk and lose, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey there. Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Uh, we have a terrific program for you. Uh, let's say today. Uh, what? Let me try it again. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, why are you trying to? You were fine? No, I don't like it. What no, was wrong weird. with it? It just didn't feel like me. Let's try it again. Okay. Hey there, Conan O'Brien. No. Needs a friend. Coming at you. <laughs> Coming at you, fast and furious. What do you think of that one? I don't think it's coming at people at all in any way. You know what? You're right. Mm -hmm. I've never come at anyone. (laughs) No, you haven't. That's why it's weird. And you you said coming at you. And it's just weird. Yeah. Look, if you're listening to this, you know you're listening to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Well, yeah, they clicked on it. Exactly. So those are just my old broadcaster habits kicking in, Uh right? Mm -hmm. Greet the audience. Mm -hmm. But it's stupid. There's uh, no audience. It's yeah. It, it it needs to go. Well, there is an audience. Just massive, massive. Uh, oh, I thought audience. you meant like in person. Right now, there's three. There's three of us. Yeah, there's three people here. It's <laughs> a big crowd. Uh, things are a little different today. First of all, I couldn't get through the opening. <laughs> uh, completely falling apart. Second, um, Mr. Gorley is not joining us today. I know. Yeah, uh, he's uh, he's got other matters he needs to attend to. But that's uh, maybe good news because it means we get to spend a little time. With my assistant's assistant, oh, David hey. Hopping. Hello. Hi, David. Hi. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Uh, very good. You, of course, picking up the slack uh, for Sona, wow. who's now an author, podcaster, uh, mother of two twins. And uh, so there's some things she can't get to, and you you dash into the breach and take care of it. I think we're a good team. Yeah. The, also- she had to help... Uh, Drive a prescription to you I did when I was thing. out of town. I did a thing. I did something. You did. You got me a prescription. Yeah. And now everyone knows I'm addicted to drugs. <laughs> we, everyone, Thanks a lot, David. Everybody assumed it. <laughs> also, you made me sound a lot busier than I am. It's not that I'm so busy. It's just that I kind of don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. And I think that okay. David is just really, he's still got that youthful vigor in him. Yeah. You know, you have But you still insist on the same amount of money, if not more. The exact mm. same. Yeah. And I'd like a raise. <laughs> well, yeah. David, you're a very young fellow. Thank you. Uh, you know, Sona's getting on in years. Wow. Oh, no. I know, no, no. I meant that in the nicest way. Did you? Yeah, you're aging rapidly. Uh, <laughs> no, you look amazing. Um, but of course, I'm ancient. Yeah. You are how old? Uh, 30. Okay, you're a young man. Thank you're you. plugged into what's happening. And just before we started recording, you got some exciting news that totally mystified everyone in the room. What is it? Everyone? No, I was just looking. You were like, what are you looking at on your phone? And I said, um... Jamie Lynn Spears just announced a Zoe 101 reboot. Okay. What's a Jamie Lynn Spears? <laughs> um, Britney Spears' sister. Okay. And what, a, what, a reboot of what? It's the Nickelodeon show she was on, Zoe 101. She uh, played I've Zoe. never heard of it before. Ah, uh, you really okay. missed out. Um, Did but, I? But you had, you had a, 
a younger daughter. Like, didn't she was not into this kind of stuff? She didn't watch Zoe 101. Okay. Zoe 101? Yeah. No, she never watched Zoe 101. these kids who like went to a school. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. No, I don't think my daughter ever watched Zoe 101. Okay. Uh-huh. My daughter was a big Hannah Montana fan. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, my daughter's now 19. And I remembered when we told her we were moving out to Los Angeles, lived mm-hmm. in New York, and we're doing the late night show, and we were going to move to LA. She burst out crying. She said, I don't want to go. I don't want to go. I want to stay here in New uh-huh. York. And we were like, well, we kind of have to go. And then thinking on my feet, I said, Guess who lives in LA? Hannah Montana. And my daughter said, hmm, okay. And I I did lie. I did make it seem like we were going to see Hannah Montana all the time. Oh. Did you ever? Did she ever I hear? I did actually go to a store. I was in the store and someone approached me. This is after I'd, after I'd been in LA for about nine months or a year. Mm-hmm. And um, Miley, Miley Cyrus. Miley Cyrus comes up to me and she says, oh, hi, you know, I follow you on Twitter and- I said, oh, hi, it's so nice to see you. And then I thanked her. I said, you're the reason we were able to get our daughter <laughs> to uh, Los Angeles. And I told her the story and she said, well, I'm glad I could do you that that solid. Because it was her and her alone. Yeah. You know, wow. Not you God. or your yeah. career. Or- she didn't give a shit about any of that. <laughs> just just wanted, yeah. But so so she knew about Hannah, Hannah Montana. Uh, Zoe 101, then they're going to reboot it. Now, Jamie Lynn Spears, I'm guessing now she's about 55. She can't be (laughs) in the Zoe 101 reboot unless she plays an old Korean War vet. How is that going to work? I don't know. That's all I know. She posted Paramount Plus, I guess. But you don't know new things. We know. We have already established this. Like, do you know the name of Taylor Swift's new album? Oh, I do. Okay. What is it? Red. No, that was like... That was like four or five albums ago. Five albums ago. Um, Show me what you got. No, that's never been one. (laughs) Um, I think if you keep trying, you're going to get there. Moon glow. (laughs) We're getting closer. Um, Making it with what you got. Station 54. Somebody give him a hint. Hold it. I think I got it. Moon Dragon, the next chapter. <laughs> the, next the next chapter. chapter. Yeah. So there yeah. was already, she released an album called Moon Dragon, and yeah. this is the next chapter this of Moon Dragon. This is the next chapter. And I know this. I know Taylor is recutting all of her music. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this is all, this is the stuff that you saw on Babylon 7000. <laughs> this is all what? been redone for Moon Dragon, the next chapter. <laughs> Plus three new tracks. Gotta be here. Oh, Go in the distance uh-huh. and Shaznat, <laughs> the Gabagool story. <laughs> so don't get in my grill about not knowing about Taylor. You know so much yeah, about wow, Taylor. We're a Swifty. Yeah. Um, I think that you your era is the 90s. Is that right? Yeah, I was born in 92. Okay. And so you are, I know you're obsessed with pop culture from the 90s and 2000s. Is that right? Sure, I am. So I must have been a huge impact on you. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Three, four, five, Mm -hmm. six, 
So. Well, I was one when you started your show. Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> I know, but a lot of one year olds were tuning in to see what was. <laughs> they the would just sit me in about. front of the TV. Um, when you got a job with me, you didn't care about me at all. I cared about you. No, you didn't. The way mm-hmm. you said that. If you had had a I chance, a lot. your voice you, got high. If you had had a I chance, about you. <laughs> if I cared about you, <laughs> hey, if it had been a choice between interning for me mm-hmm. or for Britney Spears, Britney Spears, <laughs> you would have. I know you would have. Yeah. I know you would have. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah, I. I know it's not that, okay. It's important that we're honest. <laughs> it's not okay, but you totally would have sold me out to go work for Britney Spears. Yeah. Do you have a contact now? <laughs> Can you get him a Can you job? give me a job? Is uh-huh. she looking for an assistant? <laughs> I, I don't know. But no, yeah, I would have gone to Britney over. Yeah, yeah, I know. You said that. You don't have to hit Just that to again. Just to reiterate, yeah. Britney Spears over Conan O'Brien. Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah if yeah, you yeah. had the choice. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. And what's your favorite Britney Spears song? You tell me and I'll tell you. <sighs> Probably Lucky. Yeah. Oh, that's a great one. Mm-hmm. How's yeah. it go? Yeah. What a lucky. Don't you wish that you knew I'm gonna come back Cause I like this beef to chew I saw you And you saw me Together we're gonna raise some bumblebees And make honey You didn't even say lucky (laughs) I wanna die right now (laughs) If I could take my own life All I have is this Pen that won't do the trick. I would do it right now. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited about our show because, first of all, I just named a bunch of songs and albums that Taylor Swift should make. <laughs> <laughs> the Gabba Ghoul story is the one I'm really excited about. I know that she'd have a great whole seven great songs about cured Italian meats. <laughs> But we can't keep messing around. We've got a real show to get to. Uh, Very excited about our guest. He's an actor and comedian whose fourth Netflix special, Veerdas Landing, is out now. Very excited. He's here today. Veerdas, welcome. How tall are you? I'm five foot eight. Okay. Not bad, but that's it, not bad. No, that's that's a decent height. Is Tom Cruise your shortest domestic friend? Well, we're not really friends. I say we are. Yeah. But then his lawyer <laughs> contacts me and says, "Stop saying that." Uh, no, I don't know how tall is Tom Cruise. He's like five six or. Five. But I think he does wear boots. I think five, he's seven. Got, five oh, seven is what they list them online. Yeah, I yeah. think he's got little lifts. Yeah. Do you think he would jump out of planes if he was three inches taller? I don't think so. I think (laughs) you bring up a really good point. I think when you're lower to the ground, you have less, (laughs) you have less fear of gravity. That just makes sense. I am a very personally brave man. You know that, Sona. No. Okay. Um, But because I'm six, four and so far from the ground, I'm, I'm terrified of doing my own stunts. That's That's why. That's why. It has nothing to do with coordination or your athletic ability. It's because you're tall. Those are factors. (laughs) Those are factors. (laughs) I would like to see you go out and hunt for a stunt double. That would would be a great episode of something. Yeah, I I should. I should. Someone who is my height and has my weird characteristics. Yes. And my my strange torso to leg ratio, uh, which is way out of balance. Yes. Let's do that. Let's find me a good stunt double. Okay. Are you going to go the opposite way and get someone who's like super jacked and be it's like- It's always funny when the stunt double doesn't come close. <laughs> <laughs> it's up there comedically with when they cut to a dummy and they've made no attempt 
to have it match. <laughs> so someone's running to the window and then a, a differently dressed dummy is thrown out the window <laughs> and there's no articulation of the limbs. So arms are bent. <laughs> it's just a flailing sock filled dummy falling. That always makes me laugh. I, uh, I know, uh, I won't take his name, but I know like a Bollywood star who signed a big movie that was uh, set in the ocean, right? And and he, I don't think he read the script. Like legend is he didn't read the script and he signed this big movie and uh, showed up to like workshops before yeah. the movie and workshops were like in a sports complex with a pool and there was just diving people there. And he's like, what the hell is this? And, <laughs> and they're like, we're going to give you diving workshops. And he's like, I'm afraid of water. I'm not going in the water. And, and, the movie, and then he looked for the first time at the title of the movie. <laughs> and, and it was Waterworld. Yeah. <laughs> and they're like, so 80% of the movie is set in the water. And so he's like, I will only go into waist deep water. And then they picked the skinniest stunt double in the world. <laughs> so in this movie, every time he's underwater, he's skinny and he has a six pack. And then he comes up just fat as fuck. Over. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice of you not to name names, yeah. but I really want to see this now. I had, we were talking just before the show, but I, I had a project once. Uh, it was for American Express and it was uh, a really great idea. I really loved, I loved it. And it was in Jaipur. Mm -hmm. And I remember just before I went, um, you know, when you travel, you get to different shots. And I, so I went to this specialist who tells you, here's all the things you have to uh, do. He asks you, where in the world are you going? When you tell him, he says, okay, these are the things. I'm going to give you the following shots. Uh, and then he said, okay, where you're going, um, I have one rule for you, which was stay out of water. Okay. Don't go in water. He's, and I said, you know, why? And he went on to describe, uh, he said, well, there's a parasite and it can uh, swim up your penis into your body and then it will nest there and it will slowly feed on you and you'll die slowly over years. He says, so stay out of stay out of water. And I said, oh, okay, definitely. Uh, well, this is a problem. And he said, why? And I said, because there's a part in the commercial that's a main part of the commercial where I'm waist deep in water and um, it's kind of important to the commercial. I'm there helping these other women, uh, uh, you know, um, wash these, these uh, garments and that's important. And I'm supposed to be in water. And he went, huh, who's the commercial for? And I said, American Express. And he said, eh, you do what you got to do. <laughs> so I did, it was fine. You did it. Yeah, yeah. it was fine. Did, with, did you get a parasite? You know what? I did, but it only enhanced everything. <laughs> what? Yeah, my penis is much larger now. <laughs> yeah, I've had no complaints. <laughs> That's a tagline you never see. American Express. You're impotent, but no credit limit. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you have, I mean, so much to talk about because you had such a fascinating upbringing and you, you, you grow up in India, but then you move to Nigeria at a pretty young age. Yeah. My parents can smell happiness. And the minute I find it, they move me like somewhere, somewhere else. So, like, you know what they were doing? They were like, we want him to be really funny. Yeah. So uh, he seems happy right now. Yeah. Move him right. into, and stress him. So privileged household in India mm -hmm. um, and then get moved to Lagos, Nigeria, where I get my ass whooped every week because I'm the kid from India. 
and I do uh, public school in Lagos, Nigeria. And just as that's going really, really well, I'm like nine years old. Private boarding school in India, where I get my ass whooped because I'm the kid from Africa. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> then finally find a girlfriend. I think in private school in India, get taken to public school in New Delhi, which is where you get your ass whooped because you're the kid from private school. Uh, <laughs> then American University, where you're the kid from India. Go back to be in Bollywood, where you're the kid from American drama school. <laughs> And now in LA, where you're the guy from Bollywood. Uh, so, 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 you know, it's, I fit in. And I do apologize for attacking you earlier. When you walked in, I started hitting you. I yeah. just oh, yeah. thought, yeah, because your parents called me and they said, he's getting, ha he's happy again. It's time. It's, yeah. uh, so how miserable were you when you were sent off to private school? Mm -hmm. I, I uh, went to public school, so I never had that experience of being sent, out, sent away. Yeah. Uh, at a young age. And I know famously, I mean, there's people that write about it. It always sounds Dickensian to me, like a level of, um, you know, you're very young and you're sent off to another country often mm -hmm. and that there's harsh treatment. And I think it just sounds like a nightmare for kids. It is. I was, my parents were in Africa and I was seven. So seven and a half when I went to boarding school in India. Oh my God. And, you know, so- I was also very dramatic. So I would write them letters in like red ink and be like, this is in my blood. You've forgotten about me. <laughs> you know? Oh my God. And, and, and then, wow. You know, then, you know, kids would try and run away from boarding school on a weekly basis. And because we're shitty friends, we'd like walk them to the gate of the school and like give them five bucks and be like, good luck, man. Like, I hope you make it. But like my parents were in Africa. And I tried to run away from India to Africa like four times from boarding school. <laughs> Technically hard to do. Very hard to do. Wow. So, so, so you would take off. Would you? How far would you get? Like three kilometers. <laughs> you know? oh, no. But I feel like boarding school either graduates like generic boarding school people who you mm -hmm. can recognize a mile away. Right. Or like complete misfits. And I'm the second. There was this, uh, I was reading a, biography of Churchill, who always kind of fascinates me. And when he was v very young, his parents, of course, were, you know, uh, no, you know, quasi noble. And they were, his father was a very important person. And um, they, he was sent away at an absurdly young age. Yeah. And he always had minders. So he never really saw much of his parents. And his father is a, a famous politician and one day, and he's very bitter about the fact that he's been sent away to this very tough yeah. English private school. And then he finds out one day that his father's in that town giving a speech. His town, his tiny little town where his school is and his dad didn't stop by and visit him. <laughs> and I was reading the letter and it was like, dear father, I'm hard pressed to think of why you couldn't at least wave at my window. And of course, the father was like, you bugger off. <laughs> I have no time for this, but that's what it always sounds like to me. I'm prepping you to defeat Hitler. Is basically yeah, exactly. like, like that's what we, you need to yes. defeat Hitler. Yes, we do need someone to stand up to Hitler about 40 years from now, and yeah. you're going to be the guy. And the only way to get there is to uh, totally treat you poorly right oh, now. It's really sad. I, uh, I kind of pushed myself out of boarding school in a very disturbing way. So, so we were an ex- British Military Academy, 
Right. It's like a 150-year-old school. And we had these things called headmaster's cards. And if you get three, you're kicked out. And I decided by age 12, like I'm done. And uh, my, my friend had appendicitis and his appendix had ruptured. And so one day I just went into the nurse's office and I'm like, I have appendicitis. And she's like, okay, where does it hurt? And I, and I said, here, where it hurt for my friend. Mm -hmm. Spent like two days in the hospital just eating ice cream. And then in the middle of the night, they were like, we're taking you to a different city. You're going to get operated on. Oh, God. And I was like, oh, okay. And then I, I'm in an ambulance. And then the next thing I know, I'm on an operation table, right? With two doctors who are like, you sure this shit hurts? And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> right? oh, wait, you stuck to it? Oh. Yeah. And, and then my parents were in Africa at this point, right? And so I wake up after anesthesia uh, like 18 hours later, my mother from Africa is sitting in the hospital in the north of India and her and two doctors look very pissed off. <laughs> and they're just like, his appendix was fine. And then the boarding school was just like, I don't think he's happy here. <laughs> Maybe oh. you should take him out. So, so they opened you up. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. You went under anesthesia and they opened you up. They still took out my appendix to be safe. Like just because, you know, that they, they were in there. If you're in there, you might as well. But yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> they also they also took out a lung. Yeah. We're here. That lung looks fine, but who knows? Maybe one day we'll yeah. just take it. So wow. So that got your parents' attention, though. Yeah, and then I was sent off to public school, <laughs> where um, you know it was a better journey. Like I think I was more meant for public school. Okay. So when's the moment? This always fascinates me when you figure out I'm funny. I have a superpower. I think. Comedians either come from the coolest kid in school or the most bullied kid in school. They're usually comics, right? Yeah. And the coolest kids, I'd venture to say, have less longevity in, in, in comedy than the bullied kid. And I just remember being the kid who would get his ass beat because he couldn't shut up and then not being able to shut up during the beating. You know what I mean? Like where I'd be like, what is this really accomplishing? Does this make you feel better? And I wouldn't shut up. And then sometimes the guy beating you would crack a smile as well, you know, and you'd be like, yeah, I think this is funny. Uh, <laughs> I, I think I have I have to here. admit, you're pretty funny. Yeah. Now, where was I in the beating? Yeah. The first time I ended up doing stand-up, I was in college and it was like my last year and I'd gone through like, four years of drama school. So four yeah. years of sitting in a circle and crying and holding hands and doing things like emoting with your shoulders or whatever the hell they tell you to do in drama school. Right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> just like very I've noticed you emote exclusively <laughs> with your shoulders. Yeah. It it is a lot of motion. It's there. the basis of Bollywood, my friend. It's <laughs> emoting with your shoulders. <laughs> oh, you're right. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. I ended up writing like as a almost rebellion, this show. Remember there was a movie called White Men Can't Jump? Yes. Yeah. So I wrote a show called Brown Men Can't Hump uh, <laughs> in my final year of college. And so the first time I did stand-up, it was like 65 minutes for 800 people. Wow. And all friends, you know, every, so just inside stories and you yep. feel like, you're like, I'm the shit. I'm amazing at this. Cut to you at an open mic in Chicago, like three weeks after graduation, getting booed off stage. And you discover, no, I need to be able to make strangers laugh. Yes. As well. Yeah. So, yeah. Now, tell me about that transition to Chicago, because that's quite a leap. It is a great city. I love it. And I used to, I had three jobs. I was, I was a dishwasher at the Grand Lux Cafe on Michigan Avenue. Mm -hmm. And I was doing open mics at night. 
and I was a security guard mm-hmm. at a tiny school, and it was, I'd venture to say, one of the best times in my life. You know, where you're, for some reason, you're broke as hell, but you always have enough money for booze and a pack of cigarettes. You know, at, at yeah. that age, yeah, it somehow shows up, and you have enough money for that one date that you want to have, and there's kind of nothing to lose. You know, it was a great year of my life. And then my visa expired and I had to go home, oh. you know. Did you sell knives for a while? I sold Cutco Cutlery Kitchen Knives, uh, which is also the year after 9-11. So brown guy at your door with knives. <laughs> it's not, you know, not a lot of sales. <laughs> hey, can I interest you in a... <laughs> Maybe you don't start with the knife out at that point. But you have a, like a demo, right? So they give you leather strips and then you cut the knife and then you pile up the strips and then you cut the pile of strips and you cut a penny in half. Great knives. And like a, I think it's like a $135 set at that time. And you make like 40 bucks commission. I made zero sales. You made no sales. After 9-11, no chance. Um, Were you doing comedy right after 9-11? I was, I was doing like, Rooms on the south side of Chicago. And what was that like? I was booed off stage seven weeks in a row at at a bar called Mike's. Is that because, I mean, before they would even listen to you? Yeah. Just like, I mean, a south side room in Chicago is always a tough room, right? And and very little patience. So I was just going up like, what's up with cockroaches or whatever? And they were like, fuck off. Um, And then I... We do want to know what's up with cockroaches. What is up with cockroaches? I don't know. (laughs) I think we'll... Coming to Netflix. (laughs) 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 The secret life of cockroaches. No. um, And then I think the first joke I wrote was alliteration and not very good. But I just remember kind of yelling at people because I was just broke and frustrated. And I was like, you know, you Americans, you don't value Indian people. We uh, teach you in colleges and we drive your taxis and we are your gynecologists and we sell you food. Without Indians, you'd be starving, stranded, sexless, sterile, and stupid. Uh, and that was the first laugh I got from like a group of people. Oh, that's, uh, so in a way, I mean, when did you start to see... Um and this presupposes you saw it change, but things soften, you know, in the time after 9-11. I, I, I was gone by then, you know, yeah. but by the time yeah. they softened. Because like your I, visa expired. My visa expired. I went home and I wanted to get into, you know, Bollywood. And um, I got a job at CNBC, which was the craziest thing. Like, I love John Stewart. I was a gigantic fan. Right. And I ended up taking a handy cam. Uh, well, sorry, before that, I went to... Mumbai to be a VJ. I don't know if you guys know what a VJ is. We know what a VJ is. <laughs> right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. So it's just me with like spiky hair and like no sleeves. And then. Well, you're there. <laughs> and, I, I, that's all you need. Right? Spiky hair. Michelle necklace. Yeah. 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 And at some point, a producer actually told somebody else that like his arms are too saggy. So we're going to give him fake tattoos to cover up the arms. And I was like, just give me sleeves. Uh, it would be easier. <laughs> Give me sleeves. This is why I've never, you can't find one picture of me sleeveless. It's, the, it's my first rule. I will have sleeves. Right? So now I have henna tattoos that I have to like to touch up every eight weeks. Um, and I was fired in like three months. And then I shot a pilot on my friend's kitchen table, which, le- which was like a news comedy pilot. Right. And CNBC picked me up and 
I got to go on the prime time news at the end of the prime time news bulletin at 9:45 and do 3 minutes of jokes every day. And I was 26, you right. know, on a show that the prime minister's watching and and that every major businessman is watching and everybody was kind of cool and patient to say this is clearly a kid and he's clearly very green but let's give him time and so I got to do that for like 4 years before trying to do film. You know it's interesting so you're you knew you were funny and that you had this talent but uh acting seemed yeah. to be something that you were more interested in at the time yeah for yeah. sure i uh there's a movie called rangde basanti which is um a bollywood ensemble movie and mm-hmm. you know hindi movies you know are full of beautiful people just yes. you know yeah. blessed by god beautiful and talented and amazing and i just kind of knew this isn't a space for me I'm, i'm i won't cut it and then i saw this movie that had this lovely ensemble with like three other guys that looked like me and you know now in india there's a path for like an adams handler kind of an actor or a ben stiller kind of an actor right then there wasn't and then i'm like i i finally feel like there's a place for me in the film industry and uh, then i went to an audition line and it was a bunch of six foot you know two guys yep. who looked amazing so i I ended up shooting a stand-up special with my own money and getting a DVD together, just making sure that the DVD looked packaged enough to where it could belong next to, I don't know, Magnolia or something in sure. a DVD library. Yeah. And it was called Viragra, uh, which <laughs> because you know <laughs> puns are always fun. And uh, I ended up going to every DVD library in Mumbai where I knew filmmakers rented DVDs from and just giving them ten free copies. and that made its way to different production houses and like got me auditions so i got to kind of shortcut my way in but that's i mean that's incredible uh gumption and 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 it really uh and that is i think a word from your culture gumption yeah uh, uh, it's an ancient uh, sanskrit word <laughs> uh but um that that shows a lot of ingenuity and uh and that's that's very impressive that you would do that and what you were you saw yourself as okay i could do this i'd like to be in i'd like to crack this bollywood yeah. film mm-hmm. industry and you know it is amazing to me i don't think i don't think most people who haven't uh looked into it can understand how massive those stars are yeah. in india i mean it, it, it's it's bigger than you know we think oh celebrities here are revered well the most revered celebrity here is probably you know disliked and liked almost in equal measure except yeah. with a few exceptions but uh it's it's a whole other thing in india i think in the indian film industry once you get to whoever these top 10% are you know just the stars of stars probably the least famous of them is more famous than a kardashian you know right. it, it is oh. the way that i would put it it's it's an amazing level of respectful adulation and fame at the same time and it's because to me it represents beautiful escapism you know a uh, picture like in my family we had sunday mornings was the only time that the entire family would go out together and you know dad is tired from work and mom is tired from work and you sit down in the movie theater and watch one bollywood movie and then go out for lunch so it has to be 
beautiful and large and magnanimous. Like if you show us spotlight, we're gonna kill ourselves. That you, know I mean? like, you, can't, you know, you, can't. you don't want to see a movie where people in chinos yeah. are in a fluorescently lit newsroom yeah, no. talking about child abuse. No, no, I, no. That's no. not gonna get the whole family. You know, very hard to turn that into a musical. Um, oh God. <laughs> So, I tried, I know. I, I looked into it. Spotlight um, the musical hasn't I, happened. I tried. I put a lot of my own money into it. And uh, I'll just say it was a mistake. Um, but uh, no, it is, you know, absolutely massive. I have to tell you, of all the places I've been in the world, my brief time in India, and I still believe this, and I don't know how you feel about it, it is the most different culture I've ever been in. And I've Same. been to a lot of places. Yeah. yeah. But when you're in India, and I said I was in Jaipur, and we were driving to a location, and we're going through sort of the heart of the city, and uh, people, cars, livestock, everything is moving, but there's no, there was no uh, formalized flow of traffic. Everything was moving in all directions, and I thought it was kind of beautiful. Yeah, I mean, it, it was it, it. If you surrender to that, you're like, this is so completely different from anything I've experienced on the planet Earth before. Yeah, and the people are very beautiful. And there's, uh, but I, I remembered feeling completely outside my body. That the, this is the moment you land, and then you're driving to the hotel. You're driving around animals on the street, and there's yeah. six people on a on a like a bike. Yeah, you know, yeah. and it's it's. It's amazing. I it's think incredible. you guys go through three stages, right? Whenever my friends from abroad come over, mm -hmm. it's because I, I recognize that it is sensory overload. Yeah. You know, it is total more, sensory overload, you know, yeah. more colors and people and, uh, and flavors and everything that you you've experienced in like a, a per capita basis. Right. So yep. they always come in and my friends are always just kind of. Uh, glazed over the eyes for the, like the first two days because they've just never experienced so much in 48 hours. And then I meet them like a week later and they're really homesick. Right? They're just like, I'm, I'm, you know, I miss peanut butter or some shit like that, right? Uh, and, and then, uh, right? And then you meet them. I miss peanut butter. Then you meet them a week later and they're like, I'm never going back. Right? Yes. And that's the, that's the art. You've got to make it past I miss the peanut, peanut butter stage. <laughs> I remember I put a lot of peanut butter in my baseball cap. You did. You had yeah. me pack it. And I kept taking my hat and going. <laughs> yeah, I wasn't allowed to pack clothes because I had to pack all your peanut butter. <laughs> I've had comedians show up to comedy festivals with peanut butter in their suitcases. Like I had a, a, a female comedian from L.A. show up with like bread and peanut butter. And I'm like. We have a billion people. We're feeding each other, you know. Like we, we, and then she went on to eat every local thing that she could yeah. eat in like under ten minutes. Yeah, but yeah, the uh, yeah, you know, it's interesting because we love doing travel shows, and uh, I really wanted to go to India and do a whole travel show. Yeah, but um, and I would still like to do that. I remember the government. Uh, was very much like, well, what are you going to do? Well, you know, we go to all these different countries yeah. and I am, I, I I don't want to diss the country. I want to go there and meet the people yeah. and 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 make uh, comedy with them. I don't want it to be uh, making fun of them. Um, and so, but I, I did notice that uh, of all of the governments that we encountered in India felt, and I know that you've run up against this, they were... They want a lot of assurances about what we're going to do, 
while we're there. They'd like to see the footage. And I thought, I don't know, it was a, it was a different attitude than okay. I, had, I had come across before. Do you know what that's about? I, I remember when you guys were thinking about doing uh, that because we were emailing and then I, uh, I mean, the version that I heard could be very, very different, but yep. they said, we're going to think about permissions because he shot something here before right. without permissions. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so which think, was something we, which yeah. is something that we didn't even think about. But years ago, we did a piece. I mean, we're talking the old late night show. Yeah. We did a piece uh, with a writer, Andy Blitz, and it was a really funny idea, which is he's having trouble with his computer. And so he unplugs it and he wraps the cord around it and goes to the airport. And then you see him, it's a very expensive piece. <laughs> he flies to India and then he walks through the streets and finds the actual place where the Collins Center is and brings the computer to the person, which we thought was a really clever yeah. idea. We're, we were doing this you know, show by the seat of our pants. And of course, and, and I don't think it was insulting at all, but he, they just went and they didn't, do the proper paperwork. Yeah, yeah. And apparently, so then we were, I think, 15 or 20 years later saying, hey, we'd love to come and do something that we think is really respectful and fun about India. And they said, you didn't fill out the paperwork last time and uh, you need to be penalized. And at first we didn't know what they were talking about. And then, of course, we talked to Andy Blitz and he's like, oh yeah, I didn't fill out anything. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> Man, you can't to do that. So yeah. You can't expect us to fix your computers and then not have good memories. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> We're going to remember shit, you know? Just, saying, like, just so, once I want to see like an American call an Indian tech place and he'd be like, I need to fix my computer. Yeah. And just us be like, do you though? <laughs> like, what, do you really need a computer? What are you going to do on it? Yeah, you what know? are you going to do? Yeah. No. And then just put the phone down on you. <laughs> you don't need a computer. Yeah. Well, I mean, you had found, um, you. Uh, it's hard to comprehend in American society because mm -hmm. we pride ourselves on you can say whatever you want and people yeah. may not like it. Mm -hmm. But that is your right under the Constitution. Um, and I, I know you've talked about this uh, a lot, yeah. but um, so we don't have to dwell on it, but you gave uh, a very uh, intelligent and uh, wonderful monologue mm -hmm. about India and then flew there. And what happened? Well, um Without saying too much, yeah. I uh, I was doing a show at the Kennedy Center and then I ended up making a YouTube video at mm -hmm. the end of it, which was a monologue and ended up uh, just and, and a very kind of improvised thing where my wife and I were in D.C. and uh, we were looking at some monuments and I was homesick and I kind of wrote this thing down at 4 p.m. before the show and I showed it to my wife and I'm like, should I do this? And she's like, yeah. What could happen? <laughs> and, right. and then- And it's called Two Indies. It's called Two Indies. And then we found a wedding photographer on Yelp who had a camera and we shot it and we put it up. And it, it really just began with like sort of one news channel. I think we all have the angry on fire all the time news channel in, yeah. in every country. And so I put it up and it went viral for like three days, lots of love. And then a news channel picked it up and they kind of set everything on fire. And mm -hmm. so- on this channel, people were calling me on sorts of things and saying cancel his passport and filing complaints. And then when I landed, I was like, I don't know how this is going to go. Where and, did you land? What city? Uh, in Mumbai. Mumbai, okay. And then we just kind of buckled down for two months. You know, the, the theme of the new special is also sort of, if you can 
find a way to stay mentally strong through an outrage cycle you'll discover that real life and and love is on the way mm-hmm. and i think in moments like that you discover what it means to be a comic in a certain sense mm-hmm. because you never think about sort of oh if you really focus you're not thinking about fair unfair any of these larger things you're thinking is this funny mm-hmm. is there a joke that can be told about this or a story that can be told you know for context i i cannot wait to hear chris rocks 5 minutes about the oscars yeah you know i've never yeah. heard him talk about it tweet about it post about it because the rule of being a comic is the first time it happens it's got to be jokes mm-hmm. you know and so for me it was feeling bad that i may have let a lot of people down and also received a lot of love and saying can i write the joke that makes you both laugh mm-hmm. um because i take any feedback any feedback is good feedback and valid feedback head down mouth shut and so then i just kind of really dug deep to write a show about being an idiot at the center of the show mm-hmm. and i think Two months later, after I turned my phone on, and there's a lot of love, and suddenly you're grappling. You know, it, it's a little surreal to not know where you stand in people's hearts. Yeah. And uh, I wrote a joke, which was um, I was on the homepage of the BBC, and there was a big headline that said, "Comedian polarizes the nation." Do you know how badly you have to fuck up before the British say that you divided India? <laughs> <laughs> It's great. Right? And and That's so great. it acknowledges a fuck up, it acknowledges that both it, it was polarizing and it now both sides can hopefully laugh at it. And then I just wrote a show to kind of say can I take some drama in my life and pivot it so it brings a lot of people joy mm-hmm. which I think is the comedian's job. So that's yeah. the learning for me this year is what it means to be a comic truly. The um you know it's interesting because I I think it takes a lot of discipline and I commend you for that to go through an intense experience like that where a lot of people are upset mm-hmm. and remember that your job is comedy because I do think many people would say I want to go on the equivalent of Oprah and, yeah. and and cry. It's something that I've, uh, you know, I bumped into Chris not too long ago, Chris Rock, and I was telling him I really commend you on not. Yeah. Um, you know, you know everybody. You know, Oprah and and every show like that will do anything to get him to come on and open up and maybe tear up mm-hmm. and cry, and it takes a lot of. Um, I think discipline and a kind of a class to say I'm not going to do that. Yeah. I'm going to wait for my moment and then do what I do. Because you want the end result of it to be joy, right? That is my job at the end of the day, and I, I wouldn't hand over my narrative to anybody else. I wouldn't trust anybody with my narrative but myself. Like I, as much as I know what. For instance, Prince Harry and Meghan Markle have mm-hmm. gone through. I imagine there will now be a podcast about the book, about the interview, about the documentary. But a comedian doesn't have to go through that. We can just crack a joke and bring everybody to the table again. I think it's the most beautiful democratic of professions in that sense. So yeah, that took a while and you just kind of have to surround yourself with other comics. you know like i remember i was at the the cellar i think the night that i was on the news and a comic came up to me and he was like you know what the worst part is they're calling you a poet yeah <laughs> right <laughs> and 
and that's such a comedian response where you at some point you go okay this is going to be funny someday yes and then you buckle down did you um when you went back to india were you arrested or no, was no, it no, just no, charged no, no. no it was people filed complaints people filed complaints yeah and then right. the police was like no we're not you know entertaining this and you never felt physically threatened no i, I I don't think there's a more powerful feeling than feeling like you've let people down. Yes. Yeah. You know, and so I think that's the most powerful feeling at the center of the special. Like I, I'd never, one of the things that was important with the special is I, I never want to lionize myself or victimize myself. Yeah. You know, it, this is just funny. You know, I, I think we all know, uh, the way that I look at it is I, I never even reference the content as such. To me, you can't predict when content content becomes controversial, you know, uh, but you can make sure that controversy isn't your content, you know, and you can kind of be the idiot always. So I think that's been the the learning. Do you, you know, it's funny because we started talking about your relationship with your parents. I'm very curious if they find you funny. Not they're... one bit. <laughs> like, wow. Wow. Yeah. Like they're proud of me, but yeah. like my mom is will be sitting, like my mom will watch the audience in the middle of my show. And therefore, like I cannot have my parents in my eyeline at all during the show. I'm, you know, I have to say this. If I have family, mm -hmm. any kind of family coming to a show, I, I can't handle it. And you also take it a lot more personally. Like my, my wife is very smart in that. On a 25 country world tour, she'll go like, okay, there, there, and there. I'm coming with you, but I'm not coming to Arlington, Texas. I'll come to Edinburgh, you know, I'll come to New York. And so then if you, you're doing a show and you look over in the wings and your wife is just like on her phone, <laughs> you take that so goddamn personally. And you're like, I know it's the 50th time you've seen the show, but you have to be as captive as the rest of the audience. So I just, I just rather not, you know, have people there. I, <laughs> I'm just relating to this. Uh, this is meaningful to me because <laughs> I know exactly what you're right? talking about. She's yeah. like playing, playing Candy Crush during my. I'm like, what the hell? Do you see? I'm killing here. She's like, yeah, but I'm really with this Candy Crush. This is a high score for me. This is a personal best. Can, can I tell you something though? I just I've, I've been dying to bring this up with you. Just how. Your comment section, which I'm not sure if you read or not. Uh, I don't. I don't right. read comments. Right. No. I read your comments. Uh, <laughs> oh, and is the most humbling comment section for me ever. Why? Because the first time I did your show, I was very nervous and you were wonderful. And uh, you guys shot me well. You know, you shot me kind of low angle and mm -hmm. I looked good. And it was a decent set. You know, God was kind. And all the comments were like, he's doing well. He's making us proud. <laughs> And then at the end of it, you came and stood next to me uh, on stage. And, and we looked like Frodo and Gandalf together. And, and the entire comment section, you can just see them go, this fucking guy. <laughs> right. He's, so we just looked like a pencil and a rubber together. <laughs> it was terrible. It didn't help that I was wearing an eraser on my head, too. I apologize for that. Um, no, you were hilarious right away. And I, I you know, I... I, it, I would say the gift of uh, getting to do a late night show for all those years was meeting so many people that are funny in different ways. Yeah. And, um, and then being able to reach out to you and say, would you come by and, and mm -hmm. do the podcast and get to see you, you know, is uh, it's joyous. 
I mean, that's my, that's, that's a joy for me. It really is very meaningful. Well, credit where it's due. I, I don't think anybody has championed more different comics and started more different careers than you have through Late Night. So I must give you that credit. The reason I, it was, your show was the first thing I ever did in the States. I'd never done anything. Even my Netflix special was shot abroad. And so that was my introduction. So it really kicked everything off that five minutes. It, it really was a powerful thing. And I'm well, grateful. You are welcome here anytime. You won't be paid. <laughs> <laughs> That's the best part. <laughs> and you'll probably have to wait in an immigration line. Yes. <laughs> for a very long time. <laughs> well, this is a huge uh, treat. What do you, well, let me just make sure that I mention what's coming up next, just okay. so that I, I do that. Well, uh, just Veerdas Landing. It's the new special on Netflix. So please watch that. And I think I'll be touring the States March first onwards. So it's uh, virdas.in is my site. So V-I-R-D-A-S.in. And there'll be some tour dates there. All and right. I think that's that. I I can't wait to see. I have not seen the special. I can't wait to see it. When's it drop, as the kids say? Uh, it has dropped. It has dropped. As the kids, I, I don't know what kids say. <laughs> I, I, I was, I was kids walking. don't say any of this. Kids don't say, it's yeah. just one emoji and a frown <laughs> is what kids say. Um, I get a lot of poop emojis. Uh <laughs> Virdas Landing uh, is out now, and uh, I'm a huge fan and an admirer of your approach and uh, mad respect. And thank you so much for doing this. Thank you for having Seriously. me. Seriously, thank appreciate you. It. Again, things are a little different today. Uh, Matt Gorley not with us. Mm -hmm. um, I think he's doing something very important. Really? No, probably just <laughs> buying a new colored rocks for his aquarium. We, uh, <laughs> but we are sitting here with David Hoppin, Hello. who helps out on the show. And you you fill in very nicely uh, on the program from time to oh, time. Oh, thank you. Yeah. And uh, what's on your mind, David? No, we were just talking before this. Did we ever tell you about the time that Sona and I just abandoned you and Jeff to go to every single friend's filming location? Yeah. Wait, I don't know what you're talking about. Whenever we First were of all, you guys uh, are supposed to take care of myself and Jeff Ross, our yes. executive yeah. producer. Yeah, and and you said that you you both because you're each the backup for the other. Yeah, mm -hmm. you're yeah. the pilot and the co-pilot. Yes, mm -hmm. when both of you leave the cockpit, that breaks every FAA rule in the book. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. So what happened? Where did you go? We just left, and uh, we were at Warner Brothers where they filmed Friends. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's important to have the context that that week yeah. you you made me watch 56 hours of friends <laughs> this really is your fault so this is technically right. it was your part fault. of a, it was a part of a challenge it yeah. came up on the show and we had a challenge to see uh, if you could watch every as many episodes of friends as possible in one week because kind of also to prove the point that you didn't do a lot of actual work okay well you know awesome. you were watching those shows anyway I mean, I was doing so it that was the for bit the show that yeah. was the bit you're doing it for the show Okay, so you watch all these episodes of Friends, and then what happens? So we we tape Monday through Thursday. I yep. watched Friends that whole week. And then mm -hmm. on Friday, you know, David used to be a tour guide on the Warner Brothers lot. And yeah. that's where Friends was shot. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So we were like, let's go to all the locations that Friends shot mm -hmm. on the Warner Brothers lot. So you went to where the fountain was? Oh, yeah, we went to the, yeah, that was at the ranch, like, well, like a mile or two away. And yeah, so we left you two. And then we took a full tour of the ranch while we were there. 
Wait, so you left your job, <laughs> and I remember this. We didn't tell either of you either. <laughs> we didn't tell. We didn't was tell I doing a show that day? There was no show. No, it was Friday. Yeah. Okay. It was not even a we're, day. We're so relaxed. On yeah. No, 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 no. You're getting a paycheck. You should be on hand to take care of me. I probably needed some valuable uh, medical help that day. Yeah. Well, that's normal every day, though. <laughs> <laughs> David, let's not get it out there that I have a series of fits and convulsions uh-huh. uh, pretty much hourly. Mm-hmm. No one needs to know that. What? Um, so you went off. Did you feel any guilt? Be honest. No, we had a great time. We had so we took, much fun. Yeah, we took Sona's car over to the fountains. We, yeah. The um, new car or the old crappy one? Oh, come on. I think you had just gotten the new one. I got my, it was a new, my, my Kia. It was Kia Zadora. Yeah. yeah. We took her to, to the ranch. So even if you guys needed us right away, we weren't close to you. So we mm-hmm. had left and we had left for like hours. Did you have yeah. your pager on you? Pager. Pager. <laughs> <laughs> I've always been obsessed with the. I always wish the pager would come back. Why? Because I don't like, you know, people can easily, you know, ignore their phone. Mm -hmm. But I think both of you should have to have a 1978 Motorola pager. No. Strapped to your hip. Yes. And it would get mad at it. And it would, I would use it all the time. I don't like it. Yeah. I feel like you would use it for nothing serious. And then we would just never return your calls because. Exactly. We want to expect it to be we real. We have to return my calls. So anyway, that's uh, that's quite a revelation. You left for a day yeah. to mm-hmm. go look at places where they shot Friends episodes. Well, yeah. and then we we filmed it, and yeah. then we spent even more time editing the footage that we got into like a little post that we put on Instagram. Mm-hmm. Then we put it up on Instagram, and then Instagram was like, you can't use the Friends theme. Immediately. So then we had to record the Friends theme, and then we edited that on top of the footage that we you shot. You did this all in a day when you were supposedly working. Uh, in our defense. You know, I'm sorry, you have the work ethic of an alcoholic chimp. <laughs> if you gave a circus monkey alcohol and then monitored his work progress throughout the day as he stumbled and bumbled his... It's Excuse me, but you, you're the one who, A, made me watch so many hours of friends that week. So, right. you know, you're you're like enabling me. If, I, if I'm an alcoholic chimp, you're the, the chimp guy who's giving me alcohol. He's not the chimp guy. He's the chimp trainer. Okay. You're the chimp trainer and you're just like, have some more alcohol, chimp. And then it's, you're the problem. You're the problem. Oh, nothing. It's not me. Nothing. Nothing you did is what you're saying. Nothing that David or I I also think it's important to note that you didn't know that this happened. So clearly it was fine. (laughs) Where were you? (laughs) That's not, wait a minute. You can, as I said, I'll stick with this analogy. If the pilot and the co-pilot both leave the cockpit and go and start getting high in the men's room. No one on the plane knows about it, but it's still a crime. Still, you did endangered everybody. No. Endangered? Did yeah. it endanger? Yeah. What? what? You had to answer your phone? Yeah, you had to get your own you sandwich. You had to say, hello? What if Spielberg called? Oh. Then it would, you would have looked really cool answering your own phone. <laughs> you don't need an assistant. You're Conan O'Brien. I mean, I'm, I'm a big wheeler dealer. I have some pretty big phone calls come through, don't I, Sona? Not at all. We, we you know, there have been whole days <laughs> where we will be sitting and no one will call. I'm so, sure, yeah. not a, I don't, never, never. Really? Never. There's, there was never a time where I thought, oh no, what if we're missing an important <laughs> phone call? Jesus. <laughs> never, we got to get back to that desk ASAP. It was never, mm. come on. 
Big time. Big name directors never called. No. Who's, who's what? Gonna, what? Do they even director? have a phone number? What are you talking about? I don't, I'm, I'm just curious. What about like rap producers or people <laughs> in the music industry? They might be trying oh, to call me. For what? To get my take. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a legend. To get it. You don't even know anybody who's doing music right mm-hmm. now. Do you? I mean, I know we talked about it and you keep naming the same people <laughs> over and over. <laughs> but like, you know, you, you don't like big pop stars. I feel like you can't. I feel like you don't know. I know a lot Code of and Gray. Name a song. My name name a song that he's saying. I wish I was the real Conan. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that guy, he must burn his ass. <laughs> that people were always running up to him going, I love you. I love you, Conan. And then he turns around. They're like, oh, Conan Gray, not Conan O'Brien. You guys don't even look alike. <laughs> I love that people get this just because he has the same name. People think that he's me. <laughs> Nothing so alike. Stupid. Conan, 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 Conan. Yes. Oh no! <laughs> not the Conan who's tearing up the charts. Who's really relevant? And not the gorgeous young. All right, take it easy. Conan Gray. If I had work done, I'd look star. great. Um, oh. Anyway, I know exactly what's going on. Conan Gray. Um, okay. He froze so quick. Sam Sillium. Sam Swift? Sillium. This is like you oh. trying to name Taylor Swift albums. This All right. is rough. Uh, well, anyway, I do think that I should dock you a day's pay both for what you did. Okay. No. Was this, how many years ago was this? Uh, I had to have been, what, like four, five years ago, five? Four, four or five, five years yeah. ago. I don't even remember. That's going to be adjusted too for inflation. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, do you even know how much we get paid? I'm not sure. I didn't think Do you, you get did. paid money? I know you get beans, right? <laughs> <laughs> you get what we told you was magical beans and you keep yeah. sending them home to Illinois. Yeah, nothing's happened with them Don't yet. you worry, mama. These, these are magic mama? beans. <laughs> Conan says they're magical beans. Put them with the other beans. Just a big bowl of beans. <laughs> yeah. Well, those things accrue over time. No, but you actually pay me money, so thanks. All right, yeah, listen, for that. Uh, this was a huge waste of time. Uh, when Gorley gets back, he's going to be stunned by what happened in his absence. Um, but I'm proud of both of you. I know I give you a hard time, but you really are great at what you do. What? I'm waiting for it. Nope. Oh. You really are both valuable people. mean a lot to me. So there you go. Uh-huh. And yeah. here it comes. Nope. No. Sure as my name is Conan Gray, you were the best <laughs> people I've ever met. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Conan O'Brien, Sona Movsesian, and Matt Gorley. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Cody Fisher at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Take it away, Jimmy. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. Engineering by Eduardo Perez. Additional production support by Mars Melnick. Talent booking by Paula Davis, Gina Batista, and Britt Kahn. 
You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review read on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf.